Hello and welcome to a special episode of the MotoGP Extra podcast. Of course, no Grand Prix for a while, but there's still some pretty interesting things to talk about in the MotoGP rider market. I'm Reese, and joining me as always today to discuss the rider market is my co-host Dill. So basically the way we're going to do this, we're probably just going to run through each team and just talk about each rider in the team. Where do we think they're going to go? I suppose it's sort of like each spot in the garage as well, sort of talking about like who's going to get replaced by who. Obviously, there's been lots of rumours lately, so it is going to be quite interesting. But before we do head into it, are you enjoying the summer break, Dill? You know, enjoying missing MotoGP or are you just ready to get back into it? I kind of enjoyed it for one week because I, I always spend far too much of my weekends watching them and... <laughs> I kind of waste my weekends and I feel like come Sunday evening I was like should have done nothing so I really feel like that uh, the first week off I was like oh this is amazing I can do so much with my time but now I'm kind of like bring back the bikes I kind of want bikes now I kind of uh, I kind of sick of the, the long break really I want the bikes back definitely what about you? Yeah pretty much the same to be honest it was uh, nice to sort of be able to do all the things at the weekend because obviously it does take up a big bit of the weekend watching all the racing you know, we you know, we watch like every second of qualifying and all that stuff. So, you know, we are quite busy over the race weekends and then we had the podcast and then we usually had other stuff as well on Sundays, although we'd have to do that either now. So, yeah, it was nice to uh, have a couple of weeks off, but definitely missing it now. Although I suppose we've still got stuff like World Superbikes to fill the uh, the void. Obviously, that is going on this weekend. Not that we can watch any of it, but that is a, that's a story <laughs> for yeah. a different day. So we may as well head straight into... The first team on the list, of course, it's going to be the Factory Ducati team. And the first rider, not really much to say about it, Banyaya. He's having an amazing season. The reigning world champion, of course. Looks looks like he's got a very, very good chance of retaining that world championship, which I, I guess most people kind of expected. I mean, there was always the chance he would maybe choke with the pressure, but he seems to have managed it pretty well. I think it's safe to say staying where he is. Yeah, unless, unless he does something silly like... Um... The Prosecco thing all over again, where he does something off. Outside of the weekend, for that. <laughs> I, I, that's, uh, I'm going to get there unless he does something really silly and they actually fire him. There is no way he leaves Ducati. He's they're the perfect match at the moment. He is Davi 2.0. He's Davi with corner speed. He's Davi with a uh, qualifying lap with him. He's Davi with all the things Davi couldn't have. And they're winning so many races with him. They've won the championship with him now. They're on for their second championship. Jorge Martin in a satellite team is his biggest threat, and Bezeki in a satellite team, all on other Ducatis. You'd imagine over a full season of the marathon that is the GP calendar, a factory team will see out the satellite bike. So, unfortunately, if you're looking for Peko to change it up, he is going nowhere. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's the the factory team is always gonna have the advantage of the better technicians and all that kind of thing because if they were they're better in the satellite team they soon get moved up to the factory yeah. team just like the riders now onto the other side of the garage we've got Anea Bastianini of course he's had a pretty tough season this year being knocked off in the first ever MotoGP sprint suffering quite a bad shoulder injury it took him a very long time to sort of heal and bounce back so it's kind of ruined his season not really seen any of his potential so far because even when he's returned, he's still recovering, still trying to learn the bike. So we've not seen too much, but it did come out unexpectedly because we thought that this would be a secure seat again with signing literally last year to go to the factory team. But it did come out recently that there is actually the possibility for him and Martin to be swapped. It is a contract mechanism and, you know, Martin is battling for the championship. Obviously, like you say, it's probably unlikely that he'll end up winning it just because he's in the satellite team, but... He's up there. He's clearly bounced back from what was quite a poor 2022 with all the crashes. 
is Bastian in his seat under threat if he can't pick up his performance in the second half of this season? It's unlikely. A lot of people are reading into this too much, in my opinion. Um, the, the, the whole mechanism and the, the bottom line of the contract being there, being able to switch around, is like every contract out there will have some sort of performance. If you are absolutely terrible on our bike, we have the right to send you back home. They kind of put that into the contracts. I imagine who, whatever lawyer typed that up or wrote it down in that contract, they never ever thought that would come into play that it could actually be possibly used. But the fact that he broke his wrist and his shoulder in literally turn four of the first race of the championship, we haven't seen him anything near what he could do, so his potential hasn't been showing. He has the best bike in the grid, he's in the best team on the grid currently, so you'd imagine he's going to need to perform throughout the rest of the season. But I think if it was... Honda, I could see him maybe doing it. I think if the team are a bit more cutthroat, but I think Ducati are a bit more of a family, a bit more the, the Italians. I think they, they understand that they've given him, they haven't given him the time really to show and they know that he was injured and it wasn't his fault and it was it was just bad luck and he's come back and it was a, quite a bad injury. It took quite a while for him to get back to just training, never mind even being bike fit. So when we come back in Silverstone, we've had the four or five weekends off. He's going to be probably training as mad as the rest of them so he's going to come back at a pretty decent level of fitness everyone's going to be slightly race rusty in terms of their gp bike so it's kind of a bit of more of a level playing field because when you come back to the likes of Assen and every other rider around you has been on the bike pretty much every weekend if not every second weekend for the last three months you're at a massive disadvantage because he done pre-season he done all the build up to saturday and then that was the season done. So he came back, he was still not even up to speed with the bike, never mind physically fit. So there's so much that he has to get back to speed. I think unless he, it turns out to be like a Marbidelli where he just has gone backwards and he can't find any sort of speed, which I don't see happening. He was too quick last year and the Ducati hasn't changed that much. I don't see it happening, um, unfortunately for Harge Martin fans anyway. I'm sure Martin will be pushing for it, but yeah, I, I, I believe that they'll probably keep him where he is because it's not really fair because it's not his fault. Obviously, he crashed literally like the the fourth quarter, but he got knocked knocked off by somebody else. It wasn't even his fault. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a shame because maybe that could have been the championship fight, really, Bastianini versus uh, Bagnaia with the performances he put in on like Grassini Ducati. So we almost got a bit robbed there of a potential title challenge. I think they probably will end up keeping him, but it is a bit of intrigue that we didn't potentially have before. And like you say, if he doesn't improve in the second half of the season, perhaps they will swap them. Perhaps they'll uh, let him build his confidence back up in Pramac and try and appease Martin. But it is it is hard to see an Italian team moving an Italian rider aside for a for a Spanish rider. Really, it doesn't uh, just doesn't really seem like it's going to happen unless Martin literally wins every race to the end of the year by like thirty seconds. Hmm. But moving on to the next team, then actually definitely not in performance order anyway. This, but probably in terms of most intrigue we've got honda factory honda repsol honda the the previous juggernaut of MotoGP that is definitely a shell of its former self obviously we've got both riders there really struggling the bike's really bad they're all getting injured even in the lcr team which we'll come on to later everyone's getting injured there as well it really is looking like a mess for Honda, I think, well, I'll actually speak about Mir first, because I think there's probably a bit more to say about Marquez, so we can then sort of leave him till after. Um, we can talk about him a bit more without sort of pushing Mir to the back, but a terrible season. I mean, we were looking at the championship standings, weren't we, before this podcast, and we still got them up, and he's, like, behind, like, a couple of, like, most of the standing riders. He's behind Piro, he's behind Petrucci, who literally only did Le Mans, 
The only weekend that Petrucci did was Le Mans. So it's pretty incredible. And Jean Mir, not known as a crasher in his career. To be fair, last year he crashed quite a bit as well. But this year he took it to a new level. He's really, he's crashing like several times in each session. And it's just, it's just terrible. And he's obviously out with an injury now, isn't he? Injured himself at Le Mans. Just what a fall from grace for the the 2020 world champion like do you like he's under contract for next season but as far as we're aware there is a mechanism to leave to another factory so do you see him sticking around for another year because i just don't see where he's he's going to go obviously he's been linked to yamaha so that maybe he's an option but then we've also seen a lot of other people linked there so if he doesn't get that seat i feel like he's just stuck at honda yeah i, yeah, I kind of agree that he's maybe a bit stuck at honda because if you look at all the Honda riders, they're, they're kind of all trying to get elsewhere. To be honest, nobody wants to be on that bike. So, just limited. Like, again, MotoGP worlds or contracts, everything kind of goes in blocks of two. They're two-year deals or one plus ones or a lot of them. So, if you kind of get caught out, like Marbelli's at the moment, his contract is up this year at the end of twenty-three. Everyone's contract is up at the end of twenty-four. So that's when all the silly seasons start happening. People start to move because six months left in the contract. They'll try and get something for twenty-five and twenty-six. But if you're trying to move around in between, we'll say, the two-year block, if you're banging the middle and you're trying to find a seat, best of luck to you because that usually will mean you'll be going to another um, series. You'll not get a seat. So uh, we'll kind of touch on that again with Mark in a minute. But for Mayer, he scored five points all season. Um, every race, sprint race, full feature length race, it was only a matter of time before the graphic popped up they had crashed. He was crashing two or three times a weekend. Um it definitely got to his head. He admitted that it was it got like kind of how slow and how uncompetitive it got to his head. And let's rewind back to before preseason when he signed for them. Everyone was tipping him to be very, very quick on that bike because of his style. He's a very late breaker, which usually on years gone by was a Honda trait that you kind of make the corners into V, break nice and deep was one of Marcus's strengths in his dominant years. So this wasn't a move that was kind of like oh, he's going to struggle with this, it's going to take him three years. It's not going to, it wasn't a Lorenzo to Ducati where you're like, I cannot see this working. This was something that kind of suited the rider, suited the bike. Everything should have went well with this. And it's just showing how, how far Honda have dropped, how kind of fast the rest of the field is and how much the bikes have moved on to the point where he's obviously riding at 150% every lap to try and make it, and that's why you keep crashing. And no matter who you are, if you're Rossi, Lorenzo, Agostini, any of the top riders ever, if you keep crashing and going over the element, you keep ending up on your backside. Eventually, you will lose confidence and you won't be able to ride at 90%. It'll just happen. And that's what we've seen with Mir, is that he's just lost his confidence. 2024, I I don't I like, I like, don't see another factory taking him over the likes of Varins. Um, mainly Yamaha. I reckon that's what will more than likely happen there if they don't keep Marbidelli. So I think... I Like... It looks like Mark is trying to get out and more than likely he's going to leave whether it be at the end of this year or at the end of his contract next year. So that means Repsol Honda have two riders that don't want to be there. If they can tie Mir down and develop a bike around him in the next couple of years, maybe if you can believe in the in the project, that that might be enough to keep him. But it's, it's a bit of a question. Everything in Honda is kind of a hard answer because there's so many factors we have to answer for. There's so many different kind of viewpoints that you have to look at to see what really could go on. So... I don't think they can keep going like this. There's a lot of people thinking that he could go home halfway through the season as a kind of performance clause that he's been so bad for them. I don't see either of them happening. And I think Mayer's too proud of a rider to kind of walk away from a project like this. I definitely think he'll see out the season, but for 24, I probably still see him on that hand though, unfortunately for him. 
Yeah, I've got to say, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, you, you make a good point saying that going into the preseason that everybody was expecting, cast our minds back to the first FB1 of the year. I'm pretty sure he topped it, or was second. I can't remember exactly. How. He, he definitely was top. I don't know if he got knocked down right at the end, but like, it looked like, oh, you know, Miz got the hang of this. He could could be up there, but that was it. That's basically the best point of his season was FP1 at Portimao, and then ever since he's just been absolutely. No, he's just been in the gravel. He's been in the gravel, the medical center. So like, it's it has been a terrible season for him. And I agree. I think that yes, Yamaha is basically the only option because Morbidelli is the only free seat in terms of contracts. Obviously, of course, there is the opportunity for lots of contracts to be broken. But I think you would probably pick Rins. Is more of he's got more of the inline four riding style. He's obviously won a race this season on the Honda. Like let's be honest, there was a there was one track this year where the Honda was good enough to win, and that was Kota, because for whatever reason the weirdness of the circuit suited it, or maybe just curbed everybody else back so much that because they had no grip and all the bumps were out, the Honda was already riding like that anyway, and uh, the opportunity was there to pick up the win. Rins took that. No other Hondas really were anywhere in that race. So yeah, I I don't see see them picking picking Mir over that. So I think Mir is going to be stuck at the factory Honda for another year. But moving on to his teammate, somebody else that may very well be stuck on the factory Honda for another year. But then there perhaps is some leeway or some weird things that will happen. Mark Marquez, obviously, all of the the rider news has been about him. I mean, let's be honest. When when we were planning this podcast, it was because of Marquez. We, we had the idea to do just a Marquez podcast, but then thought we'd just spread it out into the whole rider lineup. Of course, it started off as not too bad for him. Podium in the, the first sprint race, pole position at the first round as well. But obviously, you could tell he was riding up the limit to do it. And it all goes wrong on about lap two or three of the main race. Huge mistake on the brakes. Wipes out Oliveira, wipes out Martin. Well, I think Martin stayed on, but he broke Martin's toe anyway. And penal- there was all the shenanigans about the penalty when it should be served because it was written down wrong. He missed a few rounds. He missed Cota. Rins wins at Cota. You're probably saying that Marquez ends up winning there if Marquez is there. Although, as we then saw when we get to his second favourite track, Saxon Ring. Terrible weekend. So many crashes. Obviously, he almost ripped Zarco in half at- when he was coming out the pit lane. He um, he stuck his middle finger up at the bike going down the waterfall. That's when we really started to see this fall apart. And ever since, it's basically been like, is Marquez going to try and leave Honda at the end of this year? You know, is he going to go to a new Husqvarna team that's going to be set up? Is he going to go off to KTM, like the factory team? Is he going to go to Ducati? Is he going to go to Christina Ducati with his brother? Is he going to jump on a Yamaha? Is he going to jump on some other satellite Ducati? You know, it's been... Ever since that weekend, really, that showed how lost the Honda was, that Marquez couldn't even get close to winning at Saxon Ring, was nowhere near, wasn't even on the pace, except maybe, again, FP1, he was pretty much on there. Bit of a theme, the Honda seems to go quite well in FP1, probably because, uh, I, I don't know, I, I guess when the other bikes get dialed in, they find so much more time, whereas the Honda's just always lost, I just, yeah, it's a... Uh, Looking difficult for Marquez, and we had Alberto Puig come out and say that they're not going to stop him from leaving, but obviously we know he's got a massive penalty clause if he wants to leave early, and perhaps if they waver that, he won't be able to ride for 2024. So it is massive for Marquez, isn't it? I mean, I know I've been speaking a long time about that, but this is just the the, the timeline, and Marquez looks set to leave Honda at some point, doesn't he, Dill? It's just either, is it going to be this year, or is it going to be next year? 
yeah, you're, you're bang on. You think you banged on long about it? Wait till I get going. Um, basically, he's leaving Honda. It's exactly what you said. It's a matter of time. It's it's either now or next year. Regardless, he's the does. I'm not going to say the only way he stays because he's not staying. I'm not going to like. I'm not going to like pretend that that's even an option. The bridges are burnt there. He realized at this point in his career, he's now thirty, I believe, thirty or thirty-two. Something. He's one of the old. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, not he's, the youngest guy anymore, is he? He's second oldest to Alessio Spagar, who's already talked about retiring possibly next season. So he is getting on to the point where money definitely is an issue for him for all his career. He's been very well paid, one that probably, maybe during the Ross era, he probably wasn't paid as well as Valentino, but he wasn't far off if that. I heard this so mega money contract thing was supposed to be like the biggest ever, so. Uh, yeah, I think the, the current one, again, he's on, I think as. A sport goes on. I think the money gets bigger and everything kind of builds. But I think the thirteen to sixteen air. I think Rossi still was getting more out of Yamaha than uh, Mark. Not by much. Them very very similar contracts. But I I don't think money at the moment is playing any. The fact that he's even considering leaving Honda and paying this massive like kind of penalty clause to get out of the contract shows that one he doesn't care about the money and all he wants to know now is win. He's lost. Like, if you look at Valentino when he won in 08 and 09, he was in the prime of his late 20s, kind of going 30, 20, or 29 into his 30. That's what Mark Age is now, and that's, he still has the talent. Obviously, the injuries in 2020 cost him the 2020 championship, 21, 22, and the accumulative of the three of them has cost him the 23 attempt at the 23 championship, so I should say, really. But that's four titles there that, if you, if you say in qualifying of Horet 2020 that, what's going to happen next four years you go no marcus is going to win probably the next three and maybe have some like probably a bit of pressure from quadraro in the fourth year it was just it never it was a never ending for mark really it just never looked like he was only getting stronger like when he came in at 13 he was dominant 14 even more they brought a bad bike in 15 he lost the championship 16 the bike wasn't terrible he made a difference 17 kind of the same and in 18 19 it looked like the honda had made a step over the amas the ducati still weren't there probably didn't have the riders and he started to pull away and then 19 and 20 he seemed to have a nice gap going into it between him and the rest of the field and he really showed that in her before the crash but all that is in the past in the current saying he'd only ever win three races again at the end of like 2019 yeah that is that, that is one of those, that's like a scary thing to look back at because of how like he finished first, second, every race bar Texas in 19. Yeah. Like that was, that's like prime Valentino, prime McDoing. That is like record breaking speed he had that year. And then after that, he's won three races and it's, it is possible he doesn't win again. Um, It's quite possible. So KTM, I've already said, they don't really need him. He doesn't fit their plans. They definitely won't have him on a KTM, Gas Gas, Husqvarna or any of their in-house manufacturers for 24 24 definitely maybe 25 26 when you go forward we never know but Ducati have said the same that he doesn't really suit their kind of Ducati you've always felt Ducati they have a plan like they have Pramac they have the factory team they have VR46 they have Grissini they have so many pipelines to get young Italians young quick riders onto the factory bike taking an injured well a slightly broken Mark is in his 30s it just kind of seems like a bit of a weird one for them Probably doesn't really suit them. So that's rule out to top two teams, I would say. Contractly, Aprilia don't really have anywhere to put them. Um, there is talks that maybe if they fire uh, Rolf Fernandez out the door, maybe they can make a seat there for him. Stick Marcus on a satellite Aprilia. Um, I did a lot of talk that maybe 
because like we've already mentioned if he goes this year he'll be out of sync of everyone else's contract that maybe he goes to a satellite team like an RNF for Prilia signs for one year shows his magic again and then come silly season for the 25 season everybody's on the phone on the blower trying to get him on on the contract and everything wants him again and then everything is rosy he comes back he's a race runner again he fights for titles a bit like Rossi kind of 13, 14, 15, 16 where he's a front runner again he's on good enough equipment that he can go again now the issue is with that there isn't really anywhere he can go next year without someone being booted out the door and contracts these days there you can actually contracts are weird really because some contracts are airtight they will not leave any way in or out and some then just seem to be really easy to get out of so it kind of depends on the manufacturer and the rider if they really want to get a rider in or out of their team they can kind of maneuver it but i think a lot of teams don't have the money to sign them i think it's too much of a financial risk to take a rider that they currently have fire them and bring in a 30 odd year old marcus for me a sabbatical we saw davi do that does not work should never leave the sport moves on too quickly um like every year there's, there's new midstone tires there's new arrows new devices he's already said when he came back in 22 21 after the injury that like the bikes had moved on so much from when he crashed that like all the, the right out devices so the sport moves so quickly he cannot afford a year off he's arguably one of the probably the most talented riders ever even at that, I still don't think he takes a year off, comes back, and is a top three man for the championship again. I, I think he has to stay in the class. But that then only leaves him to stay at Honda, which is, well, it's breaking him mentally and physically. And the fact that he crashed so many times at Saxony and then didn't even do the full race, it's it's a weird situation, and I don't have an answer. A couple of weeks ago, I was a bit more convinced that he might be able to squeeze his way into a satellite KTM. But now the fact that KTM have already said publicly that they have no interest in bringing him to the Austrian manufacturer, getting him on the gas gas seat would have been nice for him. It would have been a good stepping stone to maybe getting a factory seat elsewhere. But um, it's just most of these factories have their pipeline of riders. They know who they want. They kind of have a five-year plan. And you've just thrown markers into the mix. And a lot of, a lot of them don't want to risk their whole strategy on signing a superstar rider that may or may not work on their bike. We have to remember he's only ever ridden a Honda. We do not know if he'll work on the Ducati, Yamaha, Aprilia or KTM. We just don't know if that'll work for him. Probably will. I, again, I think his talent is good enough, but I've rambled on for so long, given a million possibilities. And realistically, it looks like he probably will end up staying with Honda for me. I can't really see him getting it a seed elsewhere. Yeah, I, I kind of I agree with you on that one, really. It is. Uh, it, it looks difficult for him to leave Honda. Obviously, like I was saying, they, they have said that they wouldn't stop him, but that doesn't mean that, like... You know, they're not going to make him ride the bike. He might have to then sit on the, the sidelines for a year, which, like you say, is not very good. Obviously, he kind of already had a sabbatical with his injury. He came back and it changed so much. So it is difficult. I mean, obviously, there was this rumour about him and Acosta going to this uh, sort of Husqvarna team, but that's been shot down now, hasn't it? It's not actually going to... Uh, that team hasn't been made. I think they've come out and said that publicly. Obviously, KTM, like you said, are not going to squeeze him into the Gas Gas team because they're already struggling to fill the seats as it is. So... Yeah, it is hard. Like, I feel like it's it's very difficult for him to get out the contract. Obviously, like you say, the money's not the big thing. But I mean, how big is the buyout clause? It probably is pretty huge. Like, is it? Can he even afford it? Like, it's it is one of those things. Like, where it's it it could be a massive thing. And then, like you say, where is he going to go? You know, does he try to set up his own team? I mean, that's probably a rumor that will come out at some point. It's just 
it, it, I think I think you're right. I think he is just going to end up being stuck there because I just can't see him going anywhere until the contract is over. I also feel like he is the kind of guy that would like to honour the contract, especially since Honda sort of stuck by him through all of his injuries. But yeah, it is a it's a tough one. And if he does stay at Honda, it's just going to be a miserable year. Like it's going to be it is like the Rossi Ducati years in a way, but even worse. Like he's just going to be down at the back doing absolutely nothing. It's like the the end of the Rossi career. Pretty much it will be. He'll just be circulating around in like fifteenth place doing absolutely nothing because he can't risk getting more injured when he's trying to make a comeback and. Obviously, like he already knows, if he gets injured again, it could be the end. So, yeah, it's uh, not not an ideal situation for Marquez, but very intriguing and definitely something worth following. Our predictions are probably age like milk. He probably literally like announced <laughs> tomorrow that he's leaving Honda like with immediate effect or something, <laughs> like <laughs> just jumping on a jumping on a KTM for the rest of the year or something. But yeah, it's uh, it is a tricky one to predict. But from one Japanese factory to the other, moving on to Yamaha. Obviously, first up, we've got Fabio Quattararo. Uh, I can't see him moving anywhere. Uh, similar to Banyar in a way. I mean, obviously, it's not the same performance, but obviously, he won his 21 championship with them. I know the bike is struggling at the minute, but can't really see him going anywhere. Again, it, it is so closed off at the moment because of the contracts. He's their number one rider. Obviously, they're not going to get rid of him. Not really anywhere else for him to go, so... He may as well just stay where he is and try and maybe force the bike development a bit, but clearly they're, they're still not learning from all the years before when they've not listened. Yeah, nail in the head, really. Um, he has no better options, which is kind of determining what his plans for this year and next year will be. I could see him... I'd probably favour him to leave next year. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I, I could really see him... Like we're going to get to RNF for pretty later, but there's kind of a progressionary path I see there. I could see him moving and trying to take Alicia's seat if Alicia does call it quits. Um, and the way Alicia's season's been going, the crashes and stuff, and I, I still think he's probably announced it a bit too early. That he's thinking about time because maybe his head's kind of gone now, maybe because he's had such a bad season. Now maybe the pretty isn't there, but it's 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 not that bad of a bike where he should be crashing out of ninth most weeks and stuff like that. So. It's like better than the Yamaha and the Honda. Hundred percent. Yeah. So this this should be top six most weeks. No, no, you've eight Ducatis to be really, which is which is always fun. But let's be honest, it's seven. <laughs> no, <laughs> seven and a half. Seven Ducatis to beat. <laughs> um, but yeah, really, Fabio going nowhere. Unfortunately, um, he has a big eighteen months ahead of him where he either has to secure a very competitive factory seat elsewhere, and realistically, again, Ducati won't take him. It doesn't make sense to go to Honda. Aprilia definitely lines up with his kind of inline four style, that V4, that can turn. That would make perfect sense. You just wonder, do Aprilia have the resources of a Ducati or KTM or even or Honda or Yamaha to go and go on beyond and keep developing this bike and go from strength to strength the way you could say Ducati went from kind of 2015 to 16 to 7. Each year the bike just made a step. It looks like pretty. I've made a great bike, but they've kind of failed backing it up and making it better. They've kind of made a bit of a sideward step this year, where apparently in pre-season it was again it was, it's it's more agile. It, the bike is skinnier. It's easier for me to ride. It doesn't take as much energy. It's not as there's not much heat sink in the bike. So there's so many different things that came out. How amazing it is, but we've seen very little. We saw a podium at Assen, thanks to Brad Binder, and that was kind of the highlight of the season going into the pre into the pre yeah, Portimao, yeah, but the thing with Portimao was they tested it beforehand, so I instantly kind of give that a asterisk because we yeah, all know that Aprilia testing 
usually goes well. So Maverick Vinyas, state champion, exactly, and he was under with the podium. So it all all the dots aligned there. But really, for Fabio, back to the Yamaha boy. Don't see him going anywhere. I don't think he has any option to go anywhere. I think, like you said, this year, if you're trying to leave and find another seat, you're kind of going to walk into a concrete wall, really, because everything is locked down, shut, and everyone has their seat. But even just the way the current crop of teams seem to be is that they all seem to have their 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 riders coming through, and they're kind of like, yeah, we're, we're happy to bring Bezeki onto the factory bike in 2026 or whatever it may be, but they just all seem to have... Uh, all the big teams anyway seem to have their riders that they want so for you to try and just come along and be like oh can I jump on your bike it's going to be hard for them even if you are a, an extreme talent and a, a world champion like Fabio is but yeah that's pretty much all I can say on Fabio unfortunately yeah yeah pretty much you, you can't move anywhere just because of the way like you say all the teams are playing for the future I think the only manufacturer you could jump onto is the Honda but that's just because nobody else wants to ride it so yeah. there is a there's probably options there that they'd probably put him in or whatever if he, if he wanted to go there, but of course he won't because similar performance with just a chance of an injury. So it uh, would be a bit of a, a brain brain dead move, wouldn't it really? It wouldn't be the uh, smartest thing in the world. But the other factory Yamaha seat though, obviously we said Fabio is staying. The other one is certainly up for grabs. Franco Morbidelli, his career similar to Mears has just gone off a cliff since 2020. Uh, obviously runner-up that season on the 2019 Yamaha, which, looking back, was actually probably the best bike that year, if you were uh, being honest, because they made a mistake with the 2020 bike, and the 2019 bike was pretty good even in 2019 as well. So, yeah, looking back, maybe that wasn't actually as much of a disadvantage as we thought. But even still, ever since his knee injury picked up in 20... Well, he picked it up years ago, didn't he? But he re-aggravated it in 2021. He has been nowhere. And to be honest, I was surprised to even see him stay this year, really. Uh, I mean, what they, I suppose they kept him in for like, what, the second half of 21, then all of 22. He was still under contract for this year, but I was surprised to see they didn't break it because I just don't see how they really lost out by doing that. I guess, in fairness, then they honoured the contract. They don't want to look like they keep breaking them, give him another chance. And at Termas, it actually looked like maybe he was finally turning the corner, but it just seemed to be a one-off. He was up there leading the race, or leading the sprint race for a little bit. Uh, he qualified right up there, finished fourth, I think, in both races. So it was a fantastic yeah. weekend for him. But just ever since then, he has been nowhere. And so many people have been linked to this seat. It's more of a case of not Morbidelli deciding to move, although the narrative does seem to have shifted from Morbidelli's in like when they keep asking if he's done enough to secure a seat. He's saying things like, you know, ask, you know, ask Lynn Jarvis or he's saying like, you know, who says I even want to stay kind of thing. So... It, it perhaps is a little bit more now that he wants to leave, but really the narrative is that he's being kicked out. Plenty of people link that seat. Obviously, like I think we both pretty much agree that Rins maybe is odds on favourite for that one, but uh, you know, obviously, like we said, also Mir is is linked to the seat. Even Jake Dixon is linked to the seat some way. Obviously, Top Rack was previously linked to the seat before his his test, which apparently didn't go very well, and then obviously he's now moving to BMW for next year anyway. So of course, that's not happening. But then, obviously, from Morbidelli's point of view, where is he going to go if he doesn't? Um, if he does get kicked out, obviously, it does look like he probably will be replaced based on his performance level. Um, will he go to more superbikes to replace Top Rack in the Yamaha team? That's one of the options there. So, obviously, leaving the paddock, which obviously would be a shame to see. He's also been linked to VR46. I think there's even stuff linking him to Grassini to take Fabio Di Giantonio's ride. So, it's quite open. Like This is probably the most open seat on the grid, right? Like There's lots of people that are in in the position to take the seat, but also quite a few places where the guy that's currently in it can go. This is probably 
well, I suppose it's the most open because it's the only one that's actually up for contract. Like, it actually is the only one where no contract needs to be broken for it to be replaced. So, yeah, it's uh, probably kind of what we expect for every other seat next year where they're all up for co- all up for grabs. But for me, I think Morbidelli is definitely leaving. I would probably suggest that Renzo's want to replace, but not sure where he's going to end up, actually. There's a lot of decisions. Maybe VR46 Ducati or World Superbikes is the most likely, in my opinion. So, Yamaha yeah, actually quite like him. Um, now he is he's managed by Valentino, which is the ultimate god mode contract kind of negotiator there. Like, but Valentino is a Yamaha ambassador, has is officially one now, which is ironic considering he has a team in GP with Ducatis. But that's a story for another day. I always think that is a bit weird. <laughs> it it is weird, and I think eventually he'll want to get VR forty six Yamaha on the grid. But you're you're not going to take two Ducatis off and put two more Yamas on and be like it'll just it'll just look but it'd be bad for him like Valentino's not stupid he doesn't make these silly he, he'll know the that teams before exactly it would just he knows how bad it is he was riding it like last know, year exactly. it's basically the same bike so <laughs> I I have a kind of a little theory about why Morbidelli is gone so bad now of course the knee injury was serious he had some serious ligament damage I believe he did in 2017 I think it was seven it was during his Moto two career. And he kind of got over it. He re-aggravated a few times on the ranch, believe it or not, training. But it was always kind of like, I'm in pain, I can work around it. But the Le Mans crash, whatever he kind of landed, blew it out, destroyed it, wrecked it. And he's never been the same since. If you look at, we're going to make the comparison to Valentino, because they ride very, very similar. They have a very similar riding style. Neither of them are extreme lean angles or Harky Martin style or anything like that. They were both kind of late breakers and... To be honest, I think the way the bike went really, really, really away from Valentino's sort of style, he couldn't make it work with the tyres. I think we're kind of seeing the same from Morbidelli, really. And I think if we go back to Argentina, the track had zero grip because it doesn't do any running around the year. It just is a sand castle for the locals to look at really while MotoGP aren't there. They do some small um, regional or in Argentina races, some Argentine superbikes or something like that. They do maybe once or twice a year, but in terms of a racetrack, it doesn't get used. So you go there, there's no grip, everyone struggles, brings kind of Yamaha forward. I have no doubt in Marbelli's performance and speed. I, I believe he still is one of the top riders in the class on his day. We, every time Marbelli gets bring, brought up in these conversations, we always hear that. When they go to Mizano, or Portimao, or Magello, and Pecco's on a V4, Bezecchi's on a V4, he's on an R1, he's always the quickest. So there's no question of a speed. I just don't think the current crop of GP bikes and tyre combination and the air, I just don't think it suits him. I think he's a bit more old school kind of personality and rider style, so I think it just doesn't suit him. What I'd like to see from him is what we probably would like to see with Rossi, is him jump on a Ducati at the end of his career and see what, how that would have went, but... I, I do see a move over to VR46 or Grissini. So the DJ Antonio one makes sense. I don't think they're going to keep him. He's underperformed. I think the whole reason him getting moved up with the Grissini was just because of a, the whole good his relationship was with Fausto Grissini. Uh, bless him. So that was one of those moves that's probably done more on heart, more than performance and outright speed. He's done well, but not well enough in current modern day, really. So I definitely see his seat open. Um, he's up and trying to get on a seat in World Superbikes as well. So there's a couple of Italians trying to move around. So you could see Frankie go to Grissini alongside Alex Marcus. That is a genuine possibility. You could see him replacing Bezecchi if Bezecchi moves to Pramac. That would require either Jorge Martin to move. But then if Jorge, Jorge Martin moves to the factory, you have 
Spashnini coming back down. So that seed is closed. Then you have Zarko. Now Zarko's heavily tipped to be leaving the paddock completely. Again, you have Valentino who has a fact or a satellite Ducati team. He's good. Uh, we'll say he's good sway into Ducati. He could get his rider in there. So again, Morbidelli has kind of he's probably the most interesting who could move around on the GP grid because there's actually a couple of seats he could potentially take if things kind of line up as goes away. But it, again, it depends on Zarco leaving, Bezeki moving up, and then that opens a seat in VR46. It may be if Digi does end up leaving. We don't know. We haven't heard any confirmation whether he will or won't. It's just looking like a judging on his performance that hasn't really worked the uh, two years on the Ducati. So it's more than likely he's going to jump back down to Moto2. That, again, makes a seat. It more than likely would mean that you would imagine that he would jump at that seat, really, to get onto the best bike on the grid. And uh, a World Superbike move to Yamaha is also on. Yamaha, again, Yamaha do so, like, they do are kind of fond of him. They do want to keep him. I think they just bought Yamaha, um, Lynn Jarvis and Marigali, I suppose, kind of do believe that it's probably run its course in the factory. Yamaha, the M1 just doesn't suit him. He doesn't suit them. But I don't think there does any blah blood in there. I think they want to keep him maybe in other projects because I, I do believe they understand his, his actual, his work. Like, I do believe they understand that he's a top, top rider on his day. It just doesn't work with the current... Uh, bike they've produced which is ironic since it doesn't work for their star rider either but there's many places you can go but again a lot of his potential moves require other people to move around for it to happen but maybe the um did antonio see this suppose but it could easily see him going to bikes i'd like to see him stay in the class though because i'm a, a big morbidly fan interesting that you say that about the grip so should we expect him to win at thailand when they bring the, eventually, uh, the, the old the old Michelin tire, I don't know if they still do that, but I think they do every year. Still bring the old one, don't they? Yeah, they bring the rock hard bowling ball tire that yeah. Valentino loved and Valentino loved it. Yeah, that's why I say it. Like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll actually have to see. Maybe we'll actually perform it better at circuits like that because obviously last year it was wet in that race, so it kind of. Uh, although we just perform a little bit better in the wet, which I guess because the tires are different. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how Morbidelli gets on. But yeah, it does look like. Um, He's probably going to leave the seat, and like you say, there are plenty of, well, like we were saying, there's plenty of options for him to go to. I feel like, obviously, we said that VR46 Ducati was an option as well. That obviously, you know, depends on whether Bezeki gets a promotion or anything like that. They're not going to move either rider aside for him, so that's only there if there's a space. So I, th- I feel like, yeah, Grassini Ducati is definitely an option, but it depends how attractive of an option is a rider that's kind of you know you don't know how good he's going to be like obviously he used to be really good but he's been so poor the last few years do you, you you're taking a bit of a punt you're hoping that it's 2020 Morbidelli that you get not 2021 or 2022 Morbidelli like just remember um, now though who did they sign this year to put on the bike a guy that crashed his brains out for two seasons on Honda so they are they are known true. for taking a bit of a punt that's true that is that is true that is uh that is true in fairness but uh yeah it but then do you want two riders that like that, I guess? Sure, sure, I mean, sure. that's uh, that's the thing. Obviously, we'll come on to Cressini and Ducati later and talk about all the other people that are linked to that. Obviously, we'll mention Morbidelli again. But uh, yeah, I think, yeah, that's actually a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. The Alex Marquez will do something a bit there. But I, f- I feel like it's probably most likely for me that Mor- Morbidelli will end up leaving the paddock. Um, I, that's, that's what I feel anyway, but I could be wrong. And it would be nice to see him still stuck around, but also nice to see some uh, young blood coming up every so often as well. Obviously, moving on to the factory Aprilia team, to be fair, not a lot to say, although you did say quite a bit about the Aprilia bike earlier on, so 
I suppose we don't have too much to cover in terms of that one. I think they're both staying. I can't see either of them leaving. They're, they're both under contract. Yes, neither of them have had the best seasons, but they both have podiums. Vinales is getting a bit questionable. I think it is getting a bit more Yamaha-esque behind the scenes. I don't think it's quite that bad yet, but I think he is starting to uh, maybe lose his head a little bit with the, the poor performance. Obviously, really, Vinales perhaps should have won at Le Mans. Um, if there hadn't been the collision, he was looking on course to probably come through the pack a bit in Aston if he hadn't fallen off, which is it's quite unlike Vinales to have this many crashes. So there's definitely something going on with that bike. Definitely seems a bit easier to crash potentially because Aleish has also started crashing again, which was definitely an old style Aleish thing. It wasn't so much of a thing recently. So yeah, it does, uh, does seem like perhaps the bike is struggling, but I can't really see either of these guys leaving. Obviously, like you say, Aleish might retire in like a year or two's time, but... I see the Aprilia factory lineup being unchanged for 2024. Yeah, I agree. I think for 25, there's probably some nice contracts and uh, conversations we could have. But um, un- unless Maverick implodes, I don't see anything happen there. Um, I think they're doing enough, really. And I think Aprilia know that. I think Aprilia themselves know that the bike isn't really there yet. And 22 was a bit of a flash in the pan. And they've struggled to back it up. And they're just bit all over the place. I did mention that there could be a pathway for an RNF for Prilia Rider to move up in 25. That would be Miguel. I'd imagine when he signed for RNF uh, last season that he was thinking in his head Aleish is getting on. He's the oldest rider on the grid. He's not going to be there for the next five years. It was a good chance I'd get a factory seat if I can perform there. I still think he probably believes that. Um, so obviously we'll cover RNF in a drawn little segment later but that's kind of the only interesting thing for maybe an Aprilia seat but that even won't happen they are both year. contracted to the factory as well both the RNF guys so yeah, yeah he I probably think was thinking that the modern day thing I think is you sign with a team but you were contracted to the factory I think something yeah. the Honda started back with like the Crutchlow days and stuff like that and it was you're, you're, you work for Honda but we're going to put you in this team and you're one of our pawns we move you around as we see fit so yeah, not really much else to say with Prilly. I think they just need to focus a lot in on their bike development and getting... Um, I, I feel like they've just... They've had a year where... This season, I should say, where all the riders are kind of misfiring. You've had Road for Land is not performing. You'll have Miguel Oliveira is injured. You've had Maverick kind of losing the head. And Leish thinking about retirement. So it's it's kind of uh, the worst possibly storm for them, really. But uh, yeah, we'll probably swiftly move on from Prilly because there's not much else to say. I just don't see any movement really there, to be honest. Yeah, I think it is it's a bit kind of blues after such a good season last year. KTM had a similar thing a couple of years ago. They had a really good 2020, and then their 2021 was a bit more rough. They did actually pick up a few race wins there with uh, Oliveira, but, um, oh, well, at least one anyway. He won at Catalonia. I don't know if he won anywhere else. He obviously won some in 2022, but they had a slightly more rough couple of years. The bike was still there or thereabouts. I guess it's similar to the Aprilia this year. They've had a lot of mechanical problems as well that they'll... They'll definitely want to go, get on top of. But Aprilia are quite a young manufacturing MotoGP, really. So, uh, yeah, just got to give them a bit more time. Is that you know, Literally, last year was the first time they ever made a race-winning bike. So, obviously, obviously they, they've still got a lot to, to learn there. And I think the, the riders are just going to stay as they are. Because, to be fair, they're both doing a decent-ish job. Like we said, they're struggling a little bit. But, they're, you know, they're, they're still up there, you know, most weekends. You know, when the bike is there, they are there. So, that's all you can ask for of the riders, really. But just briefly mentioned KTM there. Let's move to the factory KTM team. I think, again, it's going to be fairly brief, just like the Aprilia one in terms of these guys. Maybe a little bit more to say about the second seat, maybe in terms of the future. But at least for next year, 
I I would be fairly certain that both these guys are staying. Well, they're never going to get rid of Binder. It's like, it is like Banyaya and Ducati. He's the golden boy. He's come through the KTM system. He won his Moto3 title on an IO Red Bull KTM. He then went up to Moto2. Okay, he didn't win the championship there, but he fought for race wins pretty regularly. Again, on an IO KTM, and it was actually still a KTM at that point. It wasn't a Calex. Yeah. He moves up to MotoGP, straight into the factory team, to the annoyance of uh, Miguel Oliveira. Um, obviously, to replace Zarco after his uh, multi-year deal didn't really work. And won, like, what, his third race ever on yep. it? So, you know, he, he was the first ever KTM Grand Prix MotoGP winner. That's always going to be a place in their hearts. Obviously, the way he's come through their system, you know, he's KTM. His, bl- his blood would be orange if it was possible for that to happen. <laughs> like, you know, he is a proper KTM rider. So Binder's definitely not not moving anywhere. But Miller, again, he's kind of still... He's got a relationship with KTM to an extent. Again, he was on that same IO KTM Moto3. He's always been a Red Bull athlete. So there's always the connection there with the Red Bull and the KTM. He's doing a, a pretty good job in terms of pace anyway. He needs to maybe cut out the crashes... Um, obviously he'll be on a two-year deal probably not going to sack him after one year of it because he's not been appalling or anything like that obviously there is the there is the whole thing with Acosta trying to find him a seat and how they're supposed to guarantee him a seat in MotoGP and they said that's what they've done whether maybe the contract stipulates factory and Acosta will be able to argue that it has to be the factory factory team it has to be Rebel KTM that's the only way I see Miller getting moved around and I don't see him getting dropped either way. I see him getting moved to Gas Gas if that's the worst case scenario that happens. But to be honest, I don't really see that happening. But that's the only way I can see Miller moves. But Binder doesn't move and Miller only moves under those weird circumstances in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think KTM goes nowhere really. I think they're like Aprilia. Like you mentioned, um, Brad Binder at this point is nearly an honorary Austrian national citizen at this point with yeah. uh, to get to the passport soon <laughs> yeah. um i think he is there kevin schwantz uh, to make the, the analogy back to the suzuki where he'll probably stay with them until he's won a championship i don't think we'll he's one of those riders you go yeah he's him and ktm match made in heaven they have no reason to move from each other i think he's come up to the ranks he's always ridden for them he's always won for them he's won in every category for them He's probably going to deliver a title at some point, I believe, in the next couple of years. I think on talent, he has their talent. I think KTM will get their, their bike there um, a bit more readily. They've done it this year. Um, they still need something to compete with Ducati, but you need to remember, if we go back to 14, 15, 16, Ducati were thereabouts. 17, 80, challenge for the title. And then we had a couple of weird years with 19, 20, and then eventually they brought the title last year. So it's not one of those things that Prilly can vote for this as well it's not when you make one good bike you go with a title you make one good bike and then you have a season in the deep end and then you learn and then you go again and then you go again and then five years down the line you've built a team around you you have the bike you have the rider you have the, the, the technical know-how and then you can go after title so i think ktn are just in that period at the moment where just like a player they have developed a bike on paper that's probably good enough but they just don't have the ducati um, intelligence and know-how and just the overall seamlessness of the the machine to keep producing race weekends like Ducati do so for me Binder goes nowhere Miller is a bit more questionable um they've wanted Miller ever since he moved up to GP he's ever he's always been one of their riders he they wanted him when Paul left but it just didn't line up and he stayed with Ducati they've constantly wanted him and they were really excited when they got to sign him from the factory Ducati team and he's in fairness been a, a revelation for them because Everyone said, oh, he's going to KTM now. He's going to be like Zarko's on the KTM. He's going to be P15. He's going to be nowhere. And then he's been 
slow in pre-season and he's been quick every race weekend so far he's been on the podium in sprints and his long race his the feature race format is still a bit of a mystery for him because he just doesn't know how to save a tire no matter what bike he's on um i no doubt that uh, jack miller could probably smoke a bicycle tire if he was given the opportunity to race one of them so he's just naturally heavy on tires um ktm for me probably seemed like the bike that's probably seems to get away with that we've always seen that ktm they appear to use less tire if you look at binder over the last two or three seasons that he comes strong towards the end of the race maybe it's more binder than the bike but miguel always seemed to have that kind of late like the last five laps the ktms were always really quick they were just down in ninth and eight so it was kind of pointless but i think jack again it's his first year at the bike he said it's a lot different from the ducati it'll take a bit of time i think next i don't think they'll they'll want to change it even with a cost i think they have probably some sort of something in the works behind the scenes in the pipeline for Costa to probably jump onto a gas cask in a factory-esque way kind of um kind of keep him happy there and just kind of keep him really ready for when either miller has had enough or they've had enough of miller or whether they can maybe go again in 24 and see can they get a factory husqvarna team and then he is the face of husqvarna Um we don't really know what they're going to do but you just know for a fact that there will be a ktm bike on the grid some point with a factory team and pedro acosta leading that charge so that will come in the future we just don't know in what colors or what the name of the team will be above the, the garage door really so yeah that's probably everything with the factory boys not really anything gonna happen there so i think we can probably put them to bed for this year again maybe next year depending on how they deal with the acosta situation this year we might have some more movements next year with them yeah, pretty much. I think that's that's basically the way it's going to go. I think it's just for now it needs to be, needs to stay the same because, well, there's no reason to change it. They're doing they're doing okay. They're probably their best season so far, so they've not really picked up any wins yet. But in terms of consistency, they're ev- there at every race, and that's what they've they've certainly missed over the previous seasons when they've been competitive. But that's all the factories done now. Then, so we are going to move on to the different satellite teams. We'll start off with probably the top satellite team, Pramac Ducati. Obviously, once once the top satellite team was Petronas Yamaha, but it was many, many years ago. It is uh, now the Pramac Ducati team, second place in the championship for Jorge Martin at the moment. Fantastic. Pretty good season for both of them, to be fair. Zarco always flies a bit under the radar, but again, having a strong, decent season. So Martin, obviously, like we said previously, there is the potential that he and obviously Bastianini may swap. Neither of us particularly see that as very likely, but it's worth mentioning that that is a possibility. So there could be a... Well, there's not a seat open up there because it's a straight swap. So that number one seat is is the same regardless. It, there's somebody in it already. It's either going to be Martin or Bastianini, but most likely Martin. The second side of the garage is where it's a bit more interesting. Obviously, like you said previously, Zarco is tipped to leave the paddock. Potentially for World Superbikes, potentially for Ducati. He got sort of linked to that... Uh, Aruba Ducati ride, which still isn't announced, by the way, so that's definitely still a possibility. I suppose you could also go to World Superbikes on a Yamaha or something like that. There are some sought-after seats in World Superbikes, or, or maybe you won't go there at all. Perhaps maybe once he's left MotoGP, he's not bothered, and he'd rather just go and play the guitar or, you know, you know what he loves to do, rather than uh, racing the bikes anymore. But the reason why he's tipped to leave is because, obviously, he's, he's one of the older guys in MotoGP. He was quite old when he actually came into the class. It was a bit of an anomaly, really, compared to some of the young guys that you get, but he had the pace, double motor two world champion, so you can't really take anything away from him there. But the people linked to that seat, of course, like we said before, Bezeki, 
potentially for promotion from the VR46 team. There's also probably a few other riders as well, I think. Maybe, maybe more Bodelli's linked to it somehow, potentially going there. But I feel like most likely the candidate to take that seat is is Bezeki, unless, of course, there is some weird thing with Marquez and he ends up going there. But like we say, we don't really see him leaving Honda at any point. So I feel like the most likely candidate to take that seat away from Zarco at the moment is Bezeki. And I feel like if that seat is lost from Zarco, he's not going anywhere else. He's, he's leaving the paddock. So potentially he might keep it because, I mean, he's, he's doing a decent job and maybe Bezeki's happy where he is and he'll just get a factory bike in VR46 colours, which is probably better being around the team that he knows and he's come up the ranks with. But be interesting to, to get your opinion. But I feel like if Zarco loses the seat, he's out. But if anyone's going to take the seat from him, it is going to be Bezeki. So I'll start quickly, Harge Martin. We've already covered them where he might switch around. I've already said I don't see happening. So that kind of is... Again, has to, there has to be something ridiculous happen for that really happen. I think Ducati are too loyal to Bastianini. Um, he's won races. And I think he's their kind of secondary golden boy for this kind of current period. So I think Harge Martin has an uphill task getting his hands on that factory, the Duke. Zarco is a very interesting little scenario. At the time of recording this, it's the 15th of the 7.23. Tomorrow he turns 33, so he is getting slightly older. Uh, by the time this goes out, it'll be his birthday yesterday. So he's not out of the, the range of being too old to go to a factory Ducati in Superbike. We, like Obviously, they took Alvaro in 2018, I think. 19? Yeah, they, they they signed him for 2019, but yeah, I guess they signed him so at the end he of would have been... I mean, they put him on the factory bike to replace Lorenzo, didn't they, in like Australia that year? So clearly, like, Ducati factory guys have no problem taking someone a bit older over to exactly. Exactly. bikes. And he was... He's 39 now, so he's about 35. So he's three, two years older than Zarco is now. I would rate Zarco higher than I'd rate Alvaro, to be honest, a... Unbelievable two-time Moto2 world champion. Was one of the best you'd ever see on a Moto2 bike. Fantastic on his Yamaha. Obviously the KTM, he lost a bit of confidence, came back, rebuilt, went through the, the lower categories, went was um, on the basically the fourth tier of Ducati back in 2020 and stuff. And he's worked his way up to be where he is now. So it's going to be interesting, but I could definitely see him being signed as a slightly older but already kind of a backup to Alvaro because Alvaro's already kind of hinted at like I'm towards the end of my career now. He is slightly on the he's nearly forty for for example. Like I know you look at Biaggi, he won a title of forty one, but there's been like statements and kind of comments come out that Alvaro says that his his children are sent to ask him where where is he going, why is he always gone, and I think if you're a father, that's a a big thing you want to be kind of there for your kids. And I think at this point now. He's had a couple of factory seats uh, here and there throughout his career. I think the money's probably made. He's probably made a lot. He's probably made a killing off of Ducati in the win bonuses over the last 18 months. So uh, I don't think there's any reason to say. I think he's he's had a great career. I think he's going to wrap up a really comfortable Superbike title this year for Alvaro. And I think he stays next year, probably retires at the end of next year. And if they bring in a slightly younger Frenchman in Zarco. It's a great way to kind of continue. Very experienced rider. He's not a crasher. And uh, I think he'd go really well on the V4. So I think that would be brilliant for Superbikes, for Ducati, maybe not for the rest of the field. But um, now his biggest contention in, in kind of uh, in getting that seat would be Nico Belega from the Super Sport category, uh, X Moto 2 and G, uh, Moto 3 rider in the VR46 colours he jumped straight over there and was quick straight when he got on it when they got that bike dialed 
and he looks like he's on course for winning that title this year. So Ducati might favor the young Italian over the slightly older, more experienced Frenchman, but that's probably the main thing. There was a very brief period where maybe a Zarco back to a factory Yamaha might be on the cards. It's a possibility the connections were there previous. He was very, very quick on that bike. And um, whether it's the same bike or not, I don't know. Zarco is very smooth and a very precise rider, so it might work from there. But again, if you're a Yamaha, you don't want to be taking a slightly older guy. They've had the, the years of Valentino. I don't think they really would want that. I think a Rins or Mir would probably suit them better, but that link was there. And um, maybe after having Valentino kind of struggle as he got older, Davi just didn't know what he was doing on that bike. I think taking a risk of a Zarco probably isn't up there straight at the moment. So for me, either he goes to the factory seat in World Superbike, or maybe he stays because there's no re he's not his performance isn't bad that he needs to be getting rid of like he's still performing week in week out and he's uh pretty close in the championship i believe he's p5 so overall zarko is it's kind of probably up to him whether he wants to go or not i don't think they'll get rid of him i think he's, he's too experienced if you look at the ducati lineup in gp there's a lot of young riders and i think there's no harm having a slightly older uh, rider there just to kind of keep the ship a bit level and i think he does a great job of doing that really but that's probably how i see the the primax seat playing out and if he's to leave then you probably would look at um Bezeki moving up and that's what then would make room for morbidelli to go there but that's all again there's a that's kind of a domino effect there we'll we'll see but if uh if primax signed for another year if you kind of keep him he closes off a lot of seats for a lot of other people so it'd be interesting to see over the next three four months how this one plays out yeah, it will be interesting. Obviously, if he keeps performing the way he is, I, I kind of do agree with that that they don't, they probably won't push him. But I suppose if they really did want to promote Bezeki, it would be him on the chop, wouldn't it? So uh, that's why it's the, uh, the potential option. Also, interesting you say about Belega and World Superbikes as well, like him maybe moving up. There was there is a potential that they might run three bikes in that factory team next year. They may like take the Super Sport team and just make them a Superbike team, um, or make them like another part of the Superbike team. So. Even if Belega gets signed, it's not necessarily uh, game over. The, a closed door, like he might have stumbled to go there. Although, like you say, probably he, he perhaps is like the same at GP anyway. It's just um, talk about the rumors. It is a silly season podcast after all. So yeah, we have to cover all of the avenues now. We actually haven't got this down on the list, but I think that's just because we forgot it. Grassini Ducati. We're going to talk about next since we were talking about one of the uh, the other Ducati teams. As we spoke about, uh, potentially Morbidelli going to that second seat. There is a couple of other people tied there. But it's, it's an interesting one overall. Obviously, we've got the first seat, Alex Marquez. I'm not sure what deal he's on. I imagine it is a two-year deal, right? So It would have been, yeah, I, imagine, I believe so. I imagine he's not going anywhere. It's been an up-and-down season for Alex. He's shown good pace at times, but has shown that the crashing wasn't all down to the Honda. He's crashed quite a lot of times. He's had some silly little incidents as well throughout the season obviously he's been a bit too aggressive potentially as well like he kind of cost himself by sort of ramming Binder out the way to Le Mans and then got a long lap for the next race or no it wasn't a long lap it was a one grid uh, row drop wasn't it it was a drop one yeah. row so yeah he's, he's he's done some things that have earned him some penalties been on pole at Argentina I believe if I'm not mistaken so that was obviously fantastic for him but really, all of the, the talk is about the other seat. I think Alex Marquez, it's his first season on the Ducati. He's not been terrible. He's, he's got... The, if the pace is there, they're more likely to give you a chance. If you crash in a bit too much, they'll try and dial out. If you saw with Jorge Martin in the Pramac team last year, he had the pace, but he's crashing constantly. So for uh, Alex Marquez, 
I do feel like he's definitely going to stay there. I, I can't see him leaving because he's doing an okay job. Uh, maybe then the next year, if he has another season like this, he probably will be out the door. But um, again, it is a is a bottom rate Ducati. It's it's like the the bottom team, the Ducati hierarchy. So you're not expected to win races particularly. I know Bastianini did, but there's a reason why he then immediately got promoted because it's like whoa, he's winning all the Grassini bikes. So you know, being there, scoring the old podium probably is the uh, the goal. So if Alex can try and improve his performance, that'll definitely help him out a little bit. But I think he is staying for sure. Really, all of the rumors are with uh, Digi Antonio because. Well, he's just—he's the second season in this class, second season with the team. He has got a better crew chief this year, Frankie Carcelli. I don't think he got on very well with his crew chief last year, but there's been no sign of improvement. Uh, he's struggling to get in the top 10 when, really, he's the only Ducati rider that hasn't been on the front row yet. And uh, obviously, he, he was on pole last year, but I mean this season, of course. And uh, obviously, I think Alex Marquez and him are the only two that have not got a podium. He'd you probably wouldn't bet against Alex Marquez getting a podium at some point this season. So it's not, you know, unlikely that Ticciatelli will be the only Ducati rider once again not to get a podium, just as was the case last year. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good for Digi, is it? Like, obviously, we made some remarks already about him um, earlier on in the podcast and his seat. Obviously, there's plenty of people linked to it. Morbidelli's a potential option. I think most likely candidate is Tony Arbolino, uh, the current Moto2 World Championship leader. I think that sounds like it's probably going to be his seat from what we've heard. That's the one I think that's going to happen anyway. I think Arbelina's going to be there. Mark Marquez has also been signed to it. Again, obviously, like we say, it's unlikely that it'll leave Honda, but it is one of the options that has been put there. Obviously, a Marquez double dream team. Maybe there's a bit of a you know, wait. You might be able to wait it a little bit. Alex gets his brother in. But yeah, it is uh, it is a seat that obviously a lot of people want. It's a Ducati at the end of the day. Most people are going to probably want on it. You know, if you're like, if you were like Quattararo or somebody wanted to leave, perhaps you want to get on that. I mean, Jean Mir, um, Alex Rins, obviously, like we said, they potentially got the option to get out of their Honda contracts. You would definitely want to get on a Grassini Honda. Not Grassini Honda, that was that's a few years ago, isn't it? Now, <laughs> you definitely want to get on a Grassini Ducati compared to uh, the Hondas that they're currently on. So, lots of people vying for that seat. I think maybe we'll end up going to Arbolino, but I think we can probably agree that Digi's not going to keep that one. Yeah. I'm going to start with Alex Marquez. Alex Marquez being signed was kind of a weird for me because I don't, I don't ever see him being a top GP rider. Um, I, I always just feel like he's going to be making really good kind of a top eight man. I don't see him, no matter what team he's in, ever making a push for a GP title. I just don't think he's good enough. No, um, so I think Cassini got a decent rider, probably at a, a discounted rate considering how bad he was at Honda. Um, don't see him going anywhere next year or for this or upcoming season. I think he's he's pretty safe there. I think again he showed pace on one of the the kind of back end teams of the grid, even though he's on a really really competitive Ducati. Um, yeah, I, don't, I have no reason why they would get rid of him. He's performing most weeks. Does crash too much, makes a few silly mistakes, but um, I think Alex Marquez always gonna have that in his locker that he does make a bit of a weird mistake every once in a while. It's um, kind of in his DNA really but on the other side of the pit box Fabio Di Gentone his seat is gone um, 100% now you've said he's never really showed pace on that I'm going to slightly contradict you with a small story that is probably most people don't know at the start of this season in pre-season he was showing ridiculous speed until he had a crash at turn 4 in Portimao and it completely threw his whole season off uh, it's come up from Frankie Carcetti's crew chief that if he has somewhat of a big crash, it really, really affects him mentally and it just takes away that extra 1% or 2%. So 
he started really well with Frankie in pre-season, really built up and was showing good speed. Now, obviously not race winning speed, but was showing a good step and the team were all happy until he had a big crash. Again, we go back to Portimao, the podcast where we talked about how big the gravel is there and it really is violent when you crash there. And it really is just kind of held him back this season he's never seemed like the same rider because throughout pre-season maybe the one lap times weren't as special as some other riders and he probably went under the radar but he was really bigged up to have made a massive step for Frankie but obviously after the big crash in pre-season it's just never really come back to him and he's struggled throughout the season I think Ducati have probably given him long enough now and I think when you have like you said Tony Arbolino um, winning races and being very competitive in Moto2 another young Italian um, that makes sense to get him up there uh, you have the potential of maybe Mark Marquez, maybe Franco Morbidelli, so there is a nice few options for that seat there so whatever, whoever goes there, I definitely don't think Digi stays regardless, I think probably at the moment I'd say P1 would be Arbolino and then Morbidelli are probably the two that I would tip but definitely heavily in Arbolino's favour just because he's a young up and coming rider in Motor 2 and kind of Grassini team is that's kind of what they're there for is bringing riders through and getting them settled on a GP Ducati kind of just getting them up to speed and then leaving Pramac or um, maybe not VR46 because that's kind of its own little entity really but leaving the Pramac team kind of pick at what they want from it then so I'd say that's kind of how the Grassini thing lines up really overall to be honest yeah I, I mean we've basically said similar kind of things there. I definitely yeah both agree with each other. I will say that if they give out awards for testing, Maverick Vinales would be the most <laughs> successful rider of all time, so yeah. it's not worth reading into too much, but yes, 100%. I had heard that as well, but it also has now been half a season. And yeah, 100%. At the same time, obviously we can't relate to being chucked through the gravel at like 100 miles an hour, but if after half a season you can't get over a crash you had in pre-season where of course you weren't injured, obviously if you, if you still carry the injury, fair enough, but if just mentally you can't go over a crash you had like six seven months ago then you're never going to cut in MotoGP anyway so you know you, you're gonna you, you're gonna get dropped you've got to be able to you know obviously some people could pick it up easily like Marquez he could literally be back on the bike within like two minutes and not be bothered obviously not everybody's like that but if you're still bothered by a crash you had in pre-season at like Saxon ring then yeah it's it's, it's all over isn't it really it's never gonna really come together there could be maybe some outside shots um, maybe maybe Salach could be a potential option and maybe not for this year but in the future obviously you have to remember that Cristini do have their own Moto2 team and it would kind of be pointless to have a Moto2 team if you don't ever promote any of the riders so potentially you know there there could be uh, a pipeline from there I don't I don't think for this year but maybe in the future because Salach has been doing pretty well so I mean if he makes another step next season in Moto2 starts fighting for race wins and stuff then you know, he could be potentially a Cristini Ducati rider in the future but you know that is a that is a bit of a reach. I am, you know, I'm aware of that. Before everyone's like, he's a bit of an idiot. He's not always on about Salach is not ready for MotoGP yet. But just saying, you know, in the in the future, it's maybe an option in a couple of years' time that they could pursue. But there we go. Then that is, uh, I think that's all the Cathy teams covered. Now we'll move on to LCR Honda. And actually, there's a rider in here that we haven't even mentioned at all. I think we've mentioned every other rider on the grid at some point up until this point. But the only one we haven't mentioned yet is. Uh, is in this team. Obviously, we spoke about Rins uh, extensively before, linking him to the Yamaha seat. Um, I'm fairly confident that he's going to leave LCR Honda. Picked up a race win for them, st- showed that basically he's still a phenomenal rider. Has been injured by the bike pretty massively. It was uh, Arabiata 1. He had a massive crash in uh, Mugello. Was it Was it in the sprint that he had the crash? Was yeah, it, it was. Race? Yeah, it's a sprint. And he broke his leg in 
in quite a bad place. It's up near the knee, I think he broke it, if I'm not mistaken, which is a strange place to, to break it and definitely can cause you some problems. So he'll be out for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure when he's expected to return, although I'm sure he won't be hurrying back to the Honda based on the performances and the number of crashes you have on it. But I feel like it is going to be a matter of time before he's announced as the uh, the second factory Yamaha rider for me. So that obviously leaves that seat open. Um, I honestly don't know who, who wants it. To be quite honest, you know, for every other time we've been like, oh, there's an open seat, this guy, this guy, this guy. The only person I could see really going here is LCR becoming a full Idemitsu team and it being Ayagora. Um, and we'll, that name will come up again in a minute, potentially. Uh, that's that's the way I see it for Rinza's seat. Obviously, we've got Nakagami on the other side of the garage. Was lucky to keep his seat for this year, really. Um, it looked like he would be replaced by Agora if Agora had uh, decided he actually wanted it, but he didn't want it because, well... Look at the Honda. You can't exactly blame the guy. Agora then has also picked up an injury in pre-season. Struggled a little bit in Moto2 this year. So I think potentially he might need another year to build. So Nakagami might actually keep his seat for another year. Which is really surprising. If you told me last year that in 2024 Nakagami would still be on the same bike. I would have been very, very surprised. But the way it's worked out, I think he probably is their best bet. I mean, he's bringing the bike home. Unless you want somebody sort of you know, a bit of an outside shot, unless you bring someone like the Quoner in for one of those LCR Honda seats, potentially, like maybe you bring him on the Castrol side of the garage and then you bring Agora up to replace Nakagami. But honestly, I just don't know who's going to... I see Rins leaving, I see Nakagami staying, but I just don't know who's going to want the bike. Whoever's on it is potentially going to be an Agora and it's going to be a Ralph Fernandez uh, KTM situation where he's been forced onto a bike he doesn't really want to be on. Like... I can't really see anybody voluntarily going on the Honda unless it is someone like Laquona, like I say, just moving, trying to get back into MotoGP. Obviously, he's already with uh, Honda and more Superbikes. They clearly quite like him because they've drafted him in for a couple of the replacement rides for Marquez this year. So, oh, and Mir as well. I think he's done. I think he's done one on both sides of the garage actually now. Yeah. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up maybe on the LCR Honda Castrol bike or potentially on the Repsol Honda if it does go all uh, a little bit strange with. Uh, the rider market over there but yeah i just i just don't see who actually wants these seats i have a bit of a wild card there that i kind of only came up with about a minute ago and i've kind of been oh, brewing on it, it while it you really were is a wild card then isn't it <laughs> massively is yeah because you're talking of people that oh well they'll they'll hold out for a better seat i'm thinking of a motor two rider maybe he's not going to get the chance to move up and oh, maybe i, I not know who you're going to say now Oh, yeah, exactly. So you can it kind of does line up in a way because you it, when you said the full Inamitsu team, I was thinking, what if Chantra made a step? He's probably not going to get a offer for another seat. It'd be like kind of Sirene when he replaced Folger. He's like he was never really going to be a. That was top. still weird. I still don't know why they did that. And he was brilliant. He no, he had three thousand revs less than everyone else, and he did amazing. <laughs> to... yeah, the fact that like you're joking, but people actually say that as well. Yeah. Just... A lot of people defended Sirin saying that. No, at the time he was he on wasn't his... that bad, I guess, because he did get. I think he got like what one top ten. It was actually a very good bike at the time yeah. as well. But I mean, to be fair, considering his potential, that's a bit of a surprise. But we've seen what he's done since in other categories. It's not really yeah exactly uh, been much. Although again, the equipment probably isn't up to par. But yeah, but... that was still strange. 
a lot of people came out a lot of his we'll say his his um his nationality and stuff came out saying that he was on a bike with uh, like thousands of rev less which obviously <laughs> the bike wouldn't be not the case that would have been like a 600 if they took that much rpm off the bike the bike wouldn't have ran at all well for them so it was no way it was that the opportunity like that actually happened but anyway that was a sidestep to it and all right i got a seat that probably wasn't his but chantra is a very good Moto two rider on his day in the wet he is probably one of the quickest men out there why not throw him on Honda for a year? He's one of them riders that, if they offered him, he probably couldn't say no because he's probably not going to get the opportunity again. Every rider's dream is to move up to GP, so why why not give him the chance? Um, if they if they wanted to get rid of, say Nakagami has had enough, I'm sick of riding his bike, and Iagor is forced up, maybe throw Chantra up with him, and uh, have the two of them come up as teammates, and they kind of spearhead a full LCR. It admits you kind of seat instead of it being the Castro LCR, what Alex Marcos and stuff was on, and what Rins is on currently. Make it a full it admits you team and make it a good go at that and kind of go for the 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 overall kind of the Asian vibe of coming through with the the Asian Honda team and uh, see how that works out. Now, do I see happening? Probably not. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what Chandra could do on a GP bike. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it happening. I'd, I'd like to see. I actually quite like Chandra. I like uh, his personality. I like him on the bike, and he, he's quite a nice guy off it. So he's a really nice guy, isn't he? He's uh, probably unless he really finds some dry pace over the next couple of years. He is improving in Moto Two, but he's probably just not done enough to get a GP kind of offer. So I think maybe for Honda, do you give it to someone that probably isn't going to have any other options and probably will bite your hand off to move up, even if you have a terrible bike? I think. Uh, it's a, it's an option whether they'll take it or not, I do not know but uh, that's kind of what I see Iagora is destined to end up on a Honda unfortunately um, I see him staying next year in Moto2 I think if this year Pedro wins it and goes up to a KTM branded bike if Arbolino finishes second with five race wins he moves up to a four tier Ducati that opens the way for Iagora to have a really good 24 season and probably take a title so really overall it's it's, it's going to be um it's going to be tough for Honda to get riders, so that's kind of where the Samaket Chantra kind of idea has come from, really. It's actually not a bad shout. I actually thought you were going to say, can it? Um, that's who I thought you were going to say. Um, to he is another one, but I'd probably take Chantra over to can it, to be honest. Yeah, Chantra had a really good season last year, actually, didn't he? He obviously yeah. picked up his first ever race win, then he was up there at Termas. He, he was up there quite a few rounds throughout the year. He's, he's been a bit weaker this year. I mean, as a whole, that whole team has. Although Agora finally had a good round at Aston, so I'm hoping that we'll see Agora for the rest of the season up there because obviously it's not nice to see someone that fought for the championship last year struggling so much after his uh, pre-season injury. But yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Um, like, will he be able to say no again? I mean, I suppose he could argue that, look, he needs to now try and rebuild after a bad season, but then if his second half of the season's good, they might say that's good enough for us anyway and move him up. So, yeah, we'll have to see, but... I, again, I love it how the the narrative is that it's just going to be someone that's never going to get a MotoGP opportunity. Otherwise, they're just they're just going to take it. I guess we kind of went similar ways there. Obviously, you went yeah. with Chandra, I went with Laquona, but either way, it's like a, it's just a shot to get into MotoGP at all. Like you'll you'll take it. I know Laquona's yeah. been there previously, but he got a bit unfairly, in my opinion, kicked out after a, not a bad season. To be fair, so yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to see how the Honda dynamics work. You know. Perhaps when we get some, uh, you know, we turn up at round one, we got Puig on one bike and Taki <laughs> on the other one. Said Hegibano out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. One of the Aoki brothers is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Honda. Uh, yeah. 
But moving to the RNF Aprilia team now, again, I think this is going to be similar to the factory Aprilia in terms of that the guys are under contract. So, I mean, I know most of the riders we're talking about are under contract, but Oliveira definitely is going to stay, I would say. Um, showing really good pace at times this season. People do write him off as a bit of a, you know, sometimes there he's got a bit of an up and down reputation. But for me, he's always got the pace. It's just this year he's been injured so many times by other people. I mean, he got wiped out by Marquez. Then he got knocked off by Quattararo. Then, okay, in fairness, I guess I don't think he's been knocked off since, but some pretty big injuries. And he had a big injury in 2021 as well when the traction control failed. And so it was, yeah, he's had a lot of injuries the last few seasons that he's been trying to come back from. But I think he's quick enough. Clearly, he's, I mean, he's clearly the top rider on that team, so they're obviously not going to get rid of him. So I'd say that Oliveira is going to stay. And to be honest, Ralph Fernandez, his seat is maybe under a bit of threat. Obviously, he's not been particularly good. His rookie season in the KTM was terrible. This season's not been a lot better. He's had arm pump surgery. I think it was a bit more than just regular arm pump. He had some other issue as well that he had to get sort of fixed with that. He's not really improved his performance. He's sort of been nowhere. The only time you see him is when he's walking out the gravel trap. You know, he's, he's one of those riders. Um, so, yeah, maybe they'll lose a bit of patience with him, especially if he becomes difficult to work with, which obviously we've heard in the past him and his brother can be a bit difficult to work with. But I feel like they signed him for two years. They kind of knew what they were going to get. Obviously, he didn't really... He was nowhere in his first season. Like, he basically came into this season saying he was a rookie again. So... I guess you kind of can't expect too much from him, but I'd say if the second half of the season is still this bad, he could be under a bit of threat. And obviously, like you say, there are some options there. Like, you know, people maybe wanting to try and get on a better bike from what they're on. Like, Mar again, Marquez. Mar more, you could say Marquez could go on anything because he clearly wants to leave Honda. Again, you could probably link Rins and Mir to this seat again. Just all the Honda riders that obviously want to get off. A satellite bike is a step up. So, you know, a satellite probably is a step up from a factory Honda, like, you know, at this point. So, I mean, I know you've been banging the Quattararo to RNF drum, so Quattararo as well, you know, potentially. So there, there is a few people that might want that seat, but Ralph Fernandez will probably keep it unless something does happen. Um, obviously, there is there's not really that many other people unless you take a punt on a Moto Two rider, but then you're going to be in the same boat anyway. So stick with the guy that you know for another season. Keep yourself in line with the rest of the contracts. If he's no good, then get rid of him. So I think again, it is just going to be probably the same lineup for next season. Yeah, more than likely to start off with Raul, he's been poor really. I think he is a bit of a hangover from the KTM time because there was just so much bad things came out. Now, to be honest, it didn't look good for a KTM or for Raul. First off, didn't want to move up. He wanted to stay in Moto2 or go to Yama, and it never really, never, never them options kind of opened up and he was forced into what was a really poor uh, second seat for Tech3 that year. The bike was just wasn't there. Remy Gardner hurt himself many times that year. Roland Fernandez, was it in pre-season, was sent out with concussion. He said that he didn't realize, like he was on the bike and he said he felt like he was going a million miles an hour. He said everything was coming at him way too quick. So Yeah, he had like a huge crash and got concussion and like the next day. Like he didn't even know where he was. Like, that was in um, Mandalika, was it? am I right in saying that? I think it was a Mandalika test, yeah. I'm feeling like, I just remember, I vividly remember him saying something about Mandalika and that he's like, he felt like he was moving at such speed. And he said it was just too quick for me and his head just wasn't there and it was... Overall, he just said that really that kind of whole thing was a mess from start to finish. He never got on with it. He never showed any pace. He didn't show any enthusiasm either. Uh, they eventually let him go, broke the contract. He got an Aprilia seat, which everyone's like, brilliant. He can now show his talent. He can now kind of take a step forward and kind of go after it. And 
everything really started to line up, but maybe he just has a bit of a after such a bad season like that he's a bit of a hangover going into this year. So maybe give him the rest of the year, but again, we're in a weird situation where the contracts are going to be next year, so everything's going to be slightly up in the air and stuff like that. So at the moment, I don't see him leaving. I probably see him being kept just because it's going to be hard for them to find a replacement. But in terms of Oliveira, I reckon he could make a step to the factory team in a couple of seasons if it goes that way, if Aleish um, retires or Maverick implodes. And I think maybe in a couple of years we could see a Fabio Cotterar or Miguel Oliveira factory pillie team. Um, that would maybe. be a good team. That'd be a very quick team if they can continue their bike development. That that would be a team I push. could get behind. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very very good uh, factory ability team. But for now, I think uh, that's pretty much all we have on RNF. I'd say. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty much the re- all there is to say about RNF. Aprilia kind of signed all four riders to two-year deals, so I think they'll probably stick with it. There's no point, really. Especially since the RNF team as well, I guess, is also rookies to Aprilia. So you, you, you want to try to keep as much the same as when you're trying to learn. So next year when they try and build, I guess, keeping the same riders is also quite helpful. It's another point that's worth sort of taking into consideration. But on to... The final team now then. This one is a little bit intriguing. Again, a bit like the Yamaha team. I think there's potentially going to be some movement going on in here. The Gas Gas Factory Racing Team, the Tech 3 team. Actually, I think it is still in the title. I think it's like Factory Gas Gas Factory Racing. That's what it's called, yeah. It's a very, very long name and very strange because it's not a factory team, but it's got factory in the name. I know they treat it as such, but it's still badged as a KTM RC16. It's not badged as a Gas Gas because of the rules and stuff, so... You know, it's really not a factory team, but either way, onto this team. Then we've got currently Pollard Spargo, who they did about two free practice sessions, didn't he, this season? And then uh, that was it. So, huge crash at Portimao was really, really bad for for a while. Like, we were really concerned. Fortunately, obviously, he was okay, but it's still pretty injured. It was like one of those things, like, you know, like few easies, you know, he's not seriously injured to the point where like, he's going to have to retire or anything like that, but it was. Or you know, or, or have life-changing injuries, but it was just one of those things where like, oh, it was a big crash. He's slowly starting to come back. Uh, it's been a long recovery because he came back to the paddock in Assen. That's the first time he's been back. He's at Goodwood Festival of Speed this weekend um, on the uh, on the gas gas bike going up the hill there. So nice seeing back on the bike. He seems quite happy as well, which is good to see because I know he was quite. You know, it must have been quite a rough period for him because he had some terrible injuries. And like, obviously, like I say, you know, he got away with it, like without being too seriously injured. But there was some pretty bad injuries. He had like he broke his jaw, didn't he? he? Broke did he break his back in some places as well? So he's had some terrible injuries, having to drink through a straw for months. It's yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's terrible for Paul. Like I'm, I'm really glad to sort of see him smiling and back on the bike, and it'll be great to see him in the second half of the season. But there's not much you can say about Paul because we don't know what his performance is going to be like on this bike because we only have pre-season to go off. And as I've said before, you can't really read into that because Maverick Vinales would be the greatest of all time if you were looking at pre-season. So for Paul, I'd say that he stays, but honestly, you don't know. I think KTM want a bit of loyalty to him. Also, I think like the Cassie, they'll take into consideration that clearly this guy is injured. Even when he comes back, if he's not at it 100%, he's still carrying the effects of those injuries. And psychologically, I'm sure there's some effect there as well because it was one of those massive, massive crashes. And he didn't do a lot wrong either. It wasn't like he was doing it crazy. So, yeah, it was. Um, it, it could be quite an interesting one. But I think he'll probably keep the seat. The other seat, though, Augusto Fernandez, 
actually, I think Augusta's done a really good job. I think I have a general consensus. Fourth place at Le Mans, I still can't believe that. Like, unbelievable. He's He's been a really, really good, especially when you compare it to the rookies that came before him in that team. He's done a fantastic job. But unfortunately, I think he is going to get moved aside, which is a shame because he deserves to stay. But they have to keep Pedro Acosta. So they need to put Pedro Acosta up. Maybe you get rid of Paul for Pedro, but like I say, you know, I think they'll be definitely like trying to give him a chance to prove himself because, of course, he literally didn't get a chance because he's so injured. And obviously, there's a bit of loyalty there from previously from the, the bike development, but they, they could cast him aside, I suppose, depending on his performance. But I feel like it is going to be Augusta on the chopping blocks, unfortunately. It seems like potentially he'll end up going back to Moto 2, maybe, maybe still staying within the KTM family. Obviously, it does depend on how you know, amicable the split is, he might be really angry at doing this, but, because you would be, you'd be pretty hurt that, like, obviously you know how good Acosta is, but you'd still be quite hurt that they're moving you aside for him, so there could be a breakdown there, but it's just a shame, because I think he deserves to stay, but I, I feel like Acosta, that's Acosta's seat for next year, because you've got to keep Acosta, and it's in his contract, they have to offer him a MotoGP seat, you'd be silly to let him go. Yeah, so, Sarah Paul, um, it was quite touch and go whether he would survive that crash when it first happened. We found out recently that he was, obviously he's a lot of injuries, like, but it was very, very serious for life, like life-threatening, like the injuries were that bad. Um, thankfully, doctors worked the magic and he's now back and we'll probably see him go quite well at Silverstone because he's been quick there before on the Honda and stuff like that and the KTM, so he definitely goes well there. Whether they'll keep him, I don't know. I think even... Tech three and KTM might axe him because they have a generational talent in in Pedro. It, it's kind of which would you choose? The guy that's kind of brought you all the way to where you are now, or the guy that's doing really well, but you kind of don't have any connections to him. But it, it's kind of either way what to do if Pedro gets to see which he will, because he's already confirmed that he will be on the GP grid next year. Um, he has put out a statement that he will definitely be on next year's grid for the GP class and he will be on some somewhat of a factory bike now a lot of people look into it that he'll have to be in a factory team some people think he'll be in a satellite team tech 3 with a full factory bike and factory support from KTM themselves now either way someone's being moved aside for him which is a shame really because a lot of people at the start of the season said that when Augusto got that seat he's a seat warmer for Pedro a lot of people didn't think he'd do well. He's overperformed and overdone most people's expectations of what he could do. And the fact he's done so well, it's quite hard now to move him aside. It's it's a shame if he loses his seat because most riders to go from Moto 2 to GP and back to Moto 2 usually take two or three seasons to get back to a decent performance level in Moto 2. It's never a quick, oh, we're back, we'll just go back at the title. I've never seen a rider come back from GP down to Moto 2 and instantly be a title threat and be quick. We saw Sam Lowe's, Tom Lutie. All I think Tom the... Lutie, to be fair, was quite good in this first season he came back. It Was was that not the two years the... they changed the tyres, though? Yeah, I think it was the year after they changed the tyre. Oh, right. Because I, I don't know if they might have changed it maybe midway through the season, but he, he was like a title. Be... I think he was a title threat for the start of the season. But, yeah, I mean, Tony Elias, to be fair, he... Yeah, I suppose many, many but that years was the first year of the class. Yeah, so exactly, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hard to argue that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, in in recent years, like if you look what it's done to Sam Lowe's. Sam Lowe's this year has just signed off to go to World Superbikes on a V4 next year in the Mark van der Stratton team. A new team built around him. More than likely, Scott Redding will be his teammate. Uh, interesting developments there in the Superbike paddock. But 
he was never the same after really. Um had a good couple of years, twenty good season this year. Um, it took him a long time to get back to that level, didn't he? He 100%. had a co- rough couple of seasons. Like you say, 2020, to be fair, he was kind of back, but that was literally the first season. And yeah. he was yeah. back in Moto2 from 2018. So Yeah, he did a couple of years with the, the Grissini Isle team that were just... Yeah, was just and the KTM, so and that weird, and like... The one that became American Racing. It was the it was the old, like, Lutie into Vettin team, I think, wasn't it? But it, was, wasn't it was what it was. It was just a mess, really, and he got really shafted by Aprilia. And I, I, I fear that something like this could happen with the split between Augusto and KTM. I really don't want to see him go because I do like him and I do, I like him on the bike and he has shown that he deserves to be there on in merit. So I think as well, though, the fact that the bike dish has made a step, I think even the Gas Gas team seems to have better equipment because I, I don't think he's that much better than Raul Fernandez or Remy Gardner that he should be doing that much more. Or what Petrucci did on the bike, I don't think he's that much better than them. That he's yeah, like the and exactly. Like there's, there's been good riders go through Tech Three over the last three years and not doing as much as he done. So I reckon the bike has definitely made a step. So they're probably thinking as well. Though, the bike has made a step. If we put Pedro on this, this is probably going to be our best chance of getting a race win or podium. So unfortunately for Gascast, they're going to have to axe one of them, and in either way, is it going to be a nice situation, really? So for me, I'd say. Augusto will probably lose a seat for Pedro, which is a shame, really, because that could really affect the next two to three years of his career, really. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I just, yeah, I mean, I suppose you're a bit more towards maybe than getting rid of Paul, and maybe they will. It is difficult to say because obviously one rider is going to have to step aside here, and okay, Paul hasn't had a chance to prove himself, but looking at it now, neither really deserves to lose the seat. Like, exactly. It's not like. It's not a Morbidelli situation where, like, yeah, clearly he's out, or a Fabio Di Antonio situation where, like, clearly, you know, he's not performing. Like, especially Augusto, he got P4. Like, he, that's amazing. Like, a rookie performance. A, third, a fourth place is fantastic in this modern-day field. I mean, even back in the day, a fourth place in your rookie season was like, whoa, like, for a normal rider, you know, you've seen them fourth place, you're like, wow, that's pretty good. Or, like, getting a podium or something, which, to be fair, wasn't much further up the road for him. He beat both of the factory KTMs legitimately in that race you can argue that a lot of people crashed out of that race all you want because it is true a lot of people did crash out of that race but he, he overtook Miller and Binder made sure it was in front of both them Miller then crashed as well but again you got to stay on the bike to get the points so and, and that weekend as a whole he was quick all, all weekend it wasn't just a fluky race and the, the, the biggest fluke of the weekend was the sprint race where he uh, had a terrible one that was actually the fluke so yeah I, I feel bad for Augusto and hopefully he can continue to perform this season Maybe he can try and hang on to his seat, but at the same time, Paul hasn't had a chance to prove himself and doesn't deserve to just get kicked out. And I feel like for Paul, if he gets kicked out, that's his, you know, it's just retirement for him. Obviously, he's not going anywhere else where, as at least for Augusto, like, like we say, he could go back to Moto 2. And maybe then if Paul does retire, they can probably bring him back up. Like, I, I feel like they will keep him in the fold, maybe. I mean, maybe they will just cast him aside, I'm not too sure. But I feel like when you've got to break the contract and move them aside, you kind of have to try and butter it up a bit so yeah it's uh it's not a great situation because of course i also really want to see pedro acosta in a gp i'm sure we all do he's going to be a really exciting talent but it's just it's a shame that it has to come at the cost of a rider who you know with pardon the pun acosta of, of the rider that's actually doing a pretty good job but there you go then that's i think that's every team hopefully we haven't missed any i think we have gone through uh all, all Te- the teams technically we didn't mention vr46 but we mentioned bezeki in about seven of different of course we didn't 
mentioned but, VR forty six. That is a good point. But yes, the only thing they're is, both no, does not be happening there. We've mentioned we've mentioned Bezeki a hundred times in every which way he goes. Yeah. Luca Mina, his brother owns. A Rossi's not going to sack his brother. Yeah, Rossi's not going to sack his brother. And Bezeki only moves if he goes up to Pramac, and then in that case, it's more of a daddy's seat. It's not Vietti's. So there yeah. you go. We didn't cover them, <laughs> but there's not really much we could cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apologies for that, guys. Didn't uh, didn't realize yeah. we did. We're not really Rossi fans. That's the thing. Like we don't really. Think yeah, about yeah, that. yeah. We're 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 not really fans of Rossi. No, no Rossi memorabilia in either of our bedrooms as we're recording this right now. No, no. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> So there you go, then a bit of a chaotic end to the podcast. I don't know if you have any further thoughts, but I suppose we've covered everything in pretty great detail. So we'll be back after the summer break for the British Grand Prix, my home Grand Prix. So we'll uh, see how it goes. It'll be nice to see some bikes back on the circuit and maybe some of these predictions will have aged like milk or like wine. Maybe we'll have actually made some good predictions for once. I'm sure we will be finding stuff out about some of these transfers during the rest of the summer break because we're about halfway through it now or just before halfway through, so... It uh, it probably will be coming soon, but hopefully you have enjoyed that one. If you are listening on Spotify, please do rate the podcast five stars, or if you're watching it on YouTube, do like the videos. It does help us out and helps other people discover the podcast and enjoy it as well. But we'll see you in the next round then for Silverstone. <laughs>